um, I was most afraid though with my dad of like, what would he say? What would he do? Because mm-hmm. yeah, just like it just wasn't talked about in the church. Like it was never mentioned. Like maybe we, it would pass by a scripture from the stage one day, but like it was right. never be flushed out. And so I felt like really isolated. I felt really alone. I felt like no one else was going through this. That somehow I was like. Um, just like the, uh, yeah, just completely, uh, something was really wrong, wrong with me. Hello and welcome to the Union Movement Podcast. My name is Brian Pugh and I am co-founder of the Union. And uh, my wife and I, we started this organization just to really help people find wholeness in sexuality, identity and relationships with a gospel centered and biblical focus. So we're so glad you've joined us here today. If you're new to the Union, that's what we're about. And we pray that today's conversation would be uh, an encouragement, uh, would be maybe a challenge for you, but like a life giving challenge. Something that that brings about transformation and wholeness and uh, just really a, a vibrancy in your life and as you walk after the Lord. Uh, if you're a return listener, welcome and uh, thanks for coming back. We're so appreciative for your support and we would love it if you share this podcast, subscribe, comment, uh, just get this out in front of more and more people as we want to help uh, as many people as possible uh, discover the beauty of God's design for sexuality, identity, and relationships. Today, in episode 70, I'm sitting down with a new friend, uh, Jonathan Bryden. He is a local filmmaker, uh, documentary uh, creator, and uh, just a a passionate follower of Jesus uh, who wants to make a big deal about the gospel uh, using media, using film. And um, we have a great conversation. Uh, He is quite transparent and honest about some of the struggles in his own life as he navigates Gates, uh, same-sex attraction, and even in, he discusses one of the documentaries that he's working on, um, where he asks the question, "How does the church, in light of the gospel, face homosexuality?" Uh, I would encourage you to check out uh, the first episode. We're going to link that in the show notes. It's such a powerful, um, powerful documentary. Just the first stages of it, um, but it's it's really well done, and it keeps uh, the main focus the main focus is what does Jesus say and what does Jesus call us to um, so anyways I'm I'm so excited about this conversation and I hope that this is uh, life-giving for you and uh, bring some clarity and maybe some perspective uh, to help you if you would identify or relate with Jonathan's struggle or maybe you know somebody who does so we just hope and pray that this conversation blesses you today so here we're gonna throw it over to my conversation with Jonathan Bryden. All right. Well, I'm here with Jonathan Bryden. Jonathan, thanks again for being here on the Union Podcast. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. Well, dude, it's it's an honor to sit down with you. So I would love it for you just to kind of unpack a little bit about who you are and the work that you do. You work for uh, a local Christian organization, uh, but it's kind of a national organization and a worldwide organization at that. So tell us a little bit about the the work that you do. Yeah, I'm currently working these days at Focus on the Family Canada, uh, which is an affiliate with Focus on the Family US, uh, the much larger organization that uh, we're branched from. Um, I've been working with them for about just over a year and a half now and uh in their video department doing film production for uh for focus on the family canada yeah well, that's awesome so you cover a bunch of different topics and different focuses but you've even been working on your own documentary uh tell us a little, a little bit about that work yeah so i've i've been working on a documentary now kind of developing it over the last five years with the heart of uh, really helping uh, those in the church who are struggling with same-sex attraction and also those in the church who are walking with someone close to them mm-hmm. who's struggling with same-sex attraction uh, to ask the hard questions uh, and work through some of the hard questions of discipleship that uh, we as a church historically have really struggled to lean into. Mm. Uh, it's kind of asking the how questions, like, how do I faithfully follow Jesus 
when struggling with with same sex attractions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Those are the big questions. Like how do we be faithful followers of Jesus and honor God with the, you know, the overwhelming sense of our sexual sexuality at the same time, you know? So um, I would love it for you to unpack a little bit about your testimony. Like, how did you come to Christ? What was kind of your story growing up? And yeah, for sure. I'd, I'd love to. Um, so I, I grew up in the church. Um, I was born on Vancouver Island and, um, attended, uh, a church, a local church there in a Pentecostal church. And, um, yeah, just as I grew up and, um, just within, within my family, the, I had a really great childhood. I, I, I don't remember like the first time I gave my heart to Jesus, but, um, I remember as a child, like sitting in sermons and hearing the gospel preached mm-hmm. and just, just believing, just believing in Jesus, believing, um, uh, in him as a person and what he did for us on the cross. And that, that deeply stuck with me. And wow. then my family uh, and I moved, we moved out to Ontario, um, uh, when I was, uh, just a preteen. And, uh, during that time, uh, I began to have, uh, I began to notice that like my, um, as I hit puberty, my attractions began to develop, mm-hmm. but as they were developing, uh, I found myself leaning towards, uh, being attracted to other guys instead of, instead of to girls. And, um, in this time I was around 11 years old when this was happening and, right. uh, I, I didn't know much at all. Like I hadn't, there hadn't been very many conversations that I had had in, um, even in, in public school yet, it was mostly, um, just not approached. And so as I began to experience this, I began to explore it uh, and lean into it, um, a little bit. And that's when it was in that time that I felt the Lord, uh, speak to me. And it wasn't something that like, wasn't one moment that it was like very clear. It was kind of like a number of moments that came together mm. that I just saw the Lord, um, uh, direct me, well, one convict me in the moments when I was leaning towards, um, exploring, uh, same sex, my same sex attraction. And, and then also like leading me to his word. Um, mm-hmm. and in those moments, I, I felt, I felt the conviction that I couldn't follow Jesus and also like follow out the lifestyle of, of, uh, a romantic relationship with another guy. It, mm-hmm. it, it kind of hit me at that time. And, um, and that brought me to a place of like, um, I felt like I needed to make a decision and whether I was going to follow Jesus and, um, or follow, follow my, my desires. And I think it was then that, um, the faith, my faith became, I think the most real to me prior to that, it, it, um, I think it was there, but it was, it wasn't until it was, um, I confronted this that I saw that like, oh man, I, I do believe. And actually I had, I had a fear of the Lord. I, I fear losing my relationship with Jesus. I didn't, I didn't want to lose him or Mm -hmm. I had a desire to please him and to follow him. And so, um, with that, I, I first, I, um, yeah, connect, connected with, uh, um, someone in my youth group, um, actually my youth pastor's wife was her, who I began to share this with. And that led to me sharing it with my mom and eventually with my dad and began the journey of dealing with this. Wow. Wow. I can imagine that that, that first conversation was not easy. Tell us, tell us a little bit about like just how that went, like the thoughts going through your head. Cause it's like, there's a lot of, um, you know, when, when this topic of homosexuality or same sex attraction, or just the wide variety of, um, 
you know, sexual brokenness that humanity experiences, um, it's not always talked about in the best light, you know what I mean? And so it can sometimes create this, uh, shame and isolation, not wanting to, you know, come into the light and be honest about struggle or just temptation or just thoughts, desires. Um, tell us a little, a little bit about that process and having that first conversation and, and talking that through. Yeah. Um, I can tell you it was like, uh, it was at that time, it was the hardest thing I'd ever done mm-hmm. to be able to open up and share. Cause I was, uh, I was terrified of what the response was going to be. Um, I, the reason why I chose my youth pastor's wife, uh, was because she was the most unintimidating person I knew. Um, and, and so I, yeah, it, but it took me a while. It took me a while to build up the courage and, but I, I did feel like I, I had to do it. Like I, mm. I had to open up because, um, I don't even remember exactly why I, I felt like compelled to do it. I, I think what I was doing is I was trying to build up the courage to talk to my parents and right. it felt like too hard to talk to them. And, um, because I, I grew up in the, like the late nineties and the early two thousands. And that's when I was really facing this. And so it was the late nineties that I uh, was talking to my, uh, that I, I shared this. And so when I, I did, open up to my youth pastor's wife. I, I think I did it over email. Like I was so like, I removed myself so far. Right. Uh, the, 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 the brunt of the reaction would be as soft as possible. Yeah. No facial expressions or anything you have to read through. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I just like, I did it and I sent it. And then thankfully, like, uh, I did end up like meeting like my youth pastor and his wife in person. Mm-hmm. And, um, they, they were as supportive as they could be. Um, but it was also like, <clears throat> I don't think they'd ever run across this before. Sure. And, and so they didn't, they didn't know how to respond. They were like, they were kind, but they were kind of like, don't, they didn't know what to say. Yeah. Um, And so, uh, but that's just the, uh, the process of sharing with them did give me enough courage to share with my mom. Um, and it was, that was really hard too. It was like the next step and I shared with her and, um, yeah, it was, it was similar. Uh, she, like this one I shared with her in person and she was as supportive as she could be, uh, but she also didn't didn't really know how to respond. And, um, I was most afraid though of my dad of like, what would he say? What would he do? Cause mm-hmm. yeah, there's like, it just wasn't talked about in the church. Like it was never mentioned. Like maybe we, it would pass by a scripture from the stage one day, but like it was right. never really flushed out. And so I felt like, really isolated. I felt really alone. I felt like no one else was going through this, but somehow I was like, um, just like the, uh, yeah, just completely, uh, something was really wrong, wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's, that's what really contributed to the fear. Um, and so from there, my mom, she ended up sharing with my dad and, um, his response uh, actually was not what I was expecting. Um, for me, it was like the worst was like, I felt like this was going to be the worst day of my life. Um, but his response was he actually pretended that it didn't happen. And so he, like, he came downstairs, I remember, and was like, so what's for dinner? And then like, just continued on life as it was. And, Mm. And in one way that was like actually helpful because, for me, I thought it was going to be the worst ever. And like it, I found, I realized, Oh, it's not, it's not the worst ever. Uh, so we could move forward. Right. But the other, the other side of the struggle that I had was like, um, he didn't know how to talk about it. And so we didn't, we didn't talk about it. And, and so I kind of like, I did share with my parents, 
but because no one knew what to do, like the youth pastor didn't know what to do. My parents didn't know what to do. Like at the beginning, we didn't do much or didn't right. talk about. Right. And so kind of like, now what? Yeah. You know, I, I just, as list, I'm listening to you and I appreciate you sharing that. Um, you know, I just heard several times, like nobody really knew what to say. And, and I, and I think like, cause one of the questions I was going to ask you is like, how was this topic kind of talked about? Just not, not necessarily like same sex, uh, same sex attraction or anything like that, but just general sexuality. How was it talked about in your upbringing? Um, but you even said like, it wasn't something that was common, which I think is a reoccurring, um, a reoccurring dynamic within at least, you know, our generation is we're roughly the same age and the same kind of age bracket. Right. Like, um, but what, you know, in, in your journey now, kind of looking back at things like how, what would you say to youth pastors, to parents who maybe have a young person who, and it might, might be their own young person or does somebody come to them and, and say like, Hey, this is, this is a reality in my life. This is something I'm, I'm trying to, to, to walk through and get clarity on. I'm, I'm struggling in this area, but I just, I need to talk to somebody. What would you say are those things to keep in mind when somebody kind of comes and discloses that to you? Yeah, for sure. Well, these days, the, um, the experience of those who are sharing this with their youth pastors or their families is it's different today. Mm-hmm. Uh, conversation is completely different than when it was when you and I were younger Yeah, uh, in the church and in the culture, it wasn't being talked about. Uh, but now it's like the forefront of the, co- the cultural conversation, um, uh, kids and, uh, young adults are having these conversations on, on social media and, uh, talking about a lot of things. So, um, today, uh, but I think the advice that I would give for like someone back in, in my day or in the current culture, in the current day, I think it would be the same. Um, I don't think we need answers, uh, especially right off the bat, Mm. but if you give yourself to the person, who, um, open up, opens up and confides in you. Like you may not know what they need. You may not know their next step, but if you put your arm around them and you, you say like, I'm, I'm with you and I'm going to journey with you. Yeah. I don't know what that will look like. Um, but if you give your heart to them and that, that will go like so far, that mm-hmm. will go so far and be so meaningful, so helpful. Cause like, I don't need, I didn't need someone to just, um, uh, even looking back now, I, I didn't need someone to just give me a bunch of answers that I go and like figure out and accomplish. Right. Uh, I needed some, I needed, like, I actually needed older men to like come alongside me and, uh, be that, be those father figures, be those like older yeah. brother figures, just be like, we're here for you and you're one of us. Yeah. One of us, um, and we're going to journey with you. Yeah. That's so good. I, I think, I think in our current time, it's like everything's so polarized. And I think we, it's like when everybody, somebody kind of like would confide in us or maybe talk about something that might be kind of controversial. It's like, we all feel the need to kind of make our, our statement and it's like, Hey, this is the side we're on. And it's just like, and I think like as, as Jesus people, as much as we want, like we need to be biblically rooted and, and see the design of sexuality from a, uh, like from a good, strong biblical point. Um, we, we can't forsake, you know, love and the patience and just being in the moment with somebody who, you know, has stepped out and talked about something that is not easy to talk about, you know what I mean? And, um, yeah, I think that's, that's just so, so important that like, we can't just come out and say, well, Hey, like, I'm not going to be affirming or I'm not going to, I'm not going to say this, or I choose the historical stance. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, we can feel that pressure to come out really strongly with that. And, and I think, I think as we see the character of Jesus, when, when people would come to him and, and be in need and be in brokenness, we, 
we didn't see a, a quick little Twitter mic drop. You know what I mean? We saw a lot of patience and um, a lot of compassion and just being in that moment with someone. Now, like your discipleship journey, like how did, so like, as I'm listening to you, like these are some early formative years in your life when you're starting to realize this. And then as you're growing up as a young teenager, you're confiding in some other people, but like, what did that discipleship journey looking like? Cause I'm, I'm hearing you and you're saying, Hey, I'm, I want to follow Jesus. I'm not, I'm not going to take on an identity apart from who I am in Christ. So, but what does that look like now? Like what was some of your discipleship journey moving forward out of that? Yeah, Abby, I think one of the challenges that I really faced um, in that time, and this is like part of our history, and I'm sure you experienced this too, is um, during the 80s and 90s, uh, the purity culture within the church was pretty strong. Mm -hmm. This idea that like, um, uh, this idea that uh, marriage is the promised land for Christians. Right. all you have to do is wait till you're married and then, uh, like all your sexual dreams will be fulfilled. You'll be satisfied. You'll be good. It'll be riding off in the sunset. And that was kind of the messaging that we were, I was around. And so I would hear that at youth conferences and, and, um, in, in the language that we would talk about even amongst peers and it was really difficult. It was really difficult because I was like, I felt crushed because Mm. like, oh man, but what if, what if marriage isn't for me? What if I, because of my situation, and if I'm not able to marry a girl, what am I to do? What am I supposed to do with my sexuality? It's just kind of hanging there. Right. Um, I, I actually ran into a lot of depression because of that. Mm. Uh, so my teenage years was like really, marked by depression because I, I was losing any hope of, of like a, um, a life, a fulfilled life in the future. I was like, man, like, what do I, if I can't get married, if I can't have kids, then what am I, what am I supposed to do? Like, yeah. and so it was part of that was the challenge of like, kind of like wading through that, that false gospel of marriage being the promised land. And, um, and the way that I dealt with that was actually, I was aiming to get my desires changed. I was trying to like prep to, uh, seek the Lord and like go after him so that my, my desires would change and I'd be able to marry a woman and have kids and all the rest of it. And would have received the gospel, gospel quotations like everyone else. Right. And uh, what was hard is that it, it wasn't happening. Like as the years went by, like I spent the first 10 years uh, from 11 to 21 trying to get, to find and to get this changed mm. and it didn't happen. And so I was like, it was pretty devastating. And, and I found that like, um, I'm so thankful that the reaction of my parents and even the youth pastor was like the best they could do. Um, but I did run across other reactions that weren't as good. I, I had close friends who, as soon as they found out, they were like, put up walls and didn't want to engage anymore in the same way. And, um, treated me as if I were, um, someone they needed to, to distance themselves from, uh, in one way or another. And that just was really devastating, really really hard, really painful. Um, and so like, I, I kept this pretty quiet, um, uh, besides my parents and the the youth pastor, uh, and like the friends who I did share it with and the reactions weren't the best. I decided to keep this pretty wrapped up. I wanted to get it fixed, um, within and let no, so nobody else would know. And then one day just be okay. And then move on from there. Well, tell us even about that, like that, that process of quote unquote, getting it fixed. Like what were some of the things that you thought, you know, you, you could do to, in order to, to flip the switch or whatever. Right. Yeah. So my mom, like she did her best to support me in, in this and like, cause she didn't know how to disciple me in this at all. And so she went along with me in my desire to, 
to change this. And so we did everything. We went to like doctors and psychiatrists, um, uh, psychologists and counselors, uh, would go to events and prayer meetings and worship nights and anything and everything seeking like, God, how can this be changed? Just like uh, treating it in the same way as we would treat somebody who needs healing for some physical ailment. It's kind of just treating it. And, um, and my mom and even my dad supported me in that. Uh, they would like help me find counselors, help me like drive me to like places and, and, um, yeah. But as the time went on, it didn't, it really didn't, what I was hoping for wasn't happening. Hey, it's Brian from The Union here. I'd hate to interrupt this conversation we're having on this awesome podcast episode, but we wanted to share a little bit of a testimony with you that um, a little portion of a conversation that Bonnie had with some new friends of ours, Dayton and Jaden. They are a uh, youth pastor couple uh, in our in kind of our local region here, and they've kind of stepped into the realm of um, being really purposeful in the conversation around biblical sexuality with the youth ministry that they're leading. And so we just want to take a few minutes of your time and share this awesome conversation with you. you guys last year um, initiated a series. Uh, we, Brian and I got to come out for one of the nights, um, but you guys called it nothing but the truth, right? Um, can you just talk about why you, like what that series was about, why you initiated it, and maybe even just like some of the, the feedback from it? Yeah, absolutely. This was like like I said already, like we've only been the youth pastors for three years. And so this was kind of, I mean, we've talked about stuff, but maybe not to this degree mm-hmm. of seriousness and a whole series dedicated to it. And so a um, little intimidating coming up to it. Yeah. But um, I remember like in the, I think it was early summer last year, I was just taking some time to pray, pray and read my Bible. And I was reading out of um, Matthew 7 and... It says, everyone then who hears the words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And it says, everyone who hears the words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand and the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, beat against the house and it fell and it ends with, and great was the fall of it. And how it ends by saying great was the fall of it gives me goosebumps because as I was reading that it's like the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and I think I think the enemy knows that if he can confuse us on things as foundational as our identity he knows that our house won't stand Mm. and so like in that moment reading that you know like God's like okay Dayton what's what's the foundations that your house going to stand your house will stand on i'm like okay it's probably like my life's purpose it's probably like you know recognizing god's love for us but it's absolutely like my identity my sexuality my gender like all that kind of stuff and so again like why wouldn't the devil like try to immediately just ruin something that's so foundational make us so confused and then his work is done like if we're confused exactly and that just like Essentially, that scared us in to doing this series. Well, yeah, we just always think like we're not doing these kids any favors by not talking about the topics that they are hearing about from every other source. You know, if these kids are curious about what's going on in the world, they're going to be able to get that information just like that. So why why shouldn't the church and us be the ones to equip them with the information that is Christ focused? Yeah and focusing more on that side of it instead of just letting them be influenced by whatever. And we don't want to just have youth on Friday nights be a fun place either. Like, what's the point of that? We want to actually teach these kids, mm-hmm. like Dayton's saying, the foundational things so that they can have their own faith. We're not just 
they're not relying on us for it, right? Dayton and Jaden, thank you so much for your courage and just your willingness to uh, to lead the next generation well, pour into them with biblical truth and just the right perspective on healthy sexuality. Um, we commend you. We're so thankful for you. Um, if you're ever interested in having the union minister at your church, your youth group, your organization, uh, we would love to do that. I'd encourage you just to send an email to info at the union movement.com. We can start that conversation and see how we can set up a strategy to serve you best. And uh, but until then, let's jump back to this episode on the Union Movement podcast. You, you know, like you use the the term false gospel in the sense of like kind of comparing, you know, marriage to the promised land and how this idol of marriage and and it's it's interesting to me how this topic actually presses on a lot of false gospels that we essentially believe and and one of them is about is about our view of suffering you know what i mean and that really really the goal of human life and especially the human the goal of of life you know when you become a christian is just happiness you know healing and and whole and and uh and holiness you know what i mean and and as much as i would agree that like living holy does lead to happiness you know what i mean but like it's not free from from suffering and it's not free from trial and and so like what would you say to somebody who who would be like well yeah but you know like when we come to the lord like everything's paid for and you know like you're a new creation and and those are all beautiful realities those are you know that's that's a that's the good news of the gospel but how do we marry this with the fact that we are living in a fallen world and we do we do have suffering that we need to face and sometimes that's even that's even the purposes of God in our life. Like, how do you, how do you navigate that? How do you unpack that? Yeah. Well, I'll share a little bit about like a turning point for me that happened when I was around 21. Um, so I did get to a, like a really low place at that time. And yeah, where I was just, uh, I, I, I got so low that I gave up. I gave mm. up trying to fix this. I gave up and I was, I was angry with the Lord. I didn't know how to do relationships well. I was really codependent. Um, I was I was not relationally healthy or emotionally mm. healthy. And so my giving up, like I, I still feared the Lord, though. I still didn't want to lose my relationship with Jesus. But I wasn't happy with the Lord because he wasn't doing what I wanted him to do. And I didn't know why. I didn't get it. Right. And so I... Um, I didn't, I didn't turn away from the Lord, but I hid, uh, I stopped going to church, mm. uh, stopped connecting with people. And I went and I, and I played video games and I hid for about a year mm. and, um, but praise God, he, he came after me during that time and drew me back out and, wow. uh, and like through a, a number of like very significant circumstances got me to the place where he said to me, um, Jonathan, you've been pursuing me for what I can do for you. I want you to start pursuing me for me. Wow. And it was a, it was a huge shift. It was a huge change. Wow. It was true. I, I was seeking the Lord for what he could do for me, but I wasn't seeking him to get to know him. And to have a relationship with him. I thought I could do that after this was all fixed. Right. Right. But he was like, no, I want to, I want to get to know you and you to get to know me right now in the mm. midst of this. Mm. And, and so I was like, uh, okay, but I'm suffering. Like, what do I do? How do I deal with this suffering? And the first thing he said to me was like, go serve. It's like, go serve. What? No, I need to not be suffering to be able to serve. And he was like, no, you serve and I will heal you as you serve. Wow. Heal your heart as you serve. And, um, yeah. And that, so what, what would I say to somebody who is like, is, um, yeah. In the place of like, Oh, like when we come to Jesus, like the fullness of life that he promised and the, um, uh, all that he died for to give to us, what would I say to them? I'd be like, yeah, 
He has all of that for you, but it's going to come in his way and in his time. Mm. Like one of the key, um, one of the key things that the Lord calls us to do is surrender. Yeah. Surrender to him. Yeah. Surrender is about, um, letting go of our timelines, letting go of, uh, what healing looks like for us, what fullness and a full life looks like from our perspective, mm-hmm. and just living with him, before him with open hands saying like, okay, Lord, I want to receive from you what you're giving. I want to let go of what you're taking and, and just live in that place of yes, holding on to the promises, like, like before him, he is going to give us the desires of our heart. Yeah. He's going to do it. Yeah. But I, I have to, the only way to get there um, based on the promises that he's given is, is if I walk with him in that surrender. Yeah. And so that season of life that the really for the next 10 years from 21 to, uh, to 30 early thirties, um, the Lord really did that in me. He really built, uh, he taught me how to walk with him and know him. Yeah. So did, did that kind of look like, what did that look like on a kind of daily, weekly basis? Like did, because I think often times with, with these areas, we want to create a small group that's like just built around this topic. So like, we're going to get all the people who struggle with same sex attraction. They're going to all be in the same room and they're all going to be in a small group together. And I, I, I feel like as much as that might be well-meaning that you want to be helping people. Um, but sometimes it, it, it creates like this, this separate community when it's like, well, but are these just not people who are wanting to follow Christ and who they might be sinning differently or they might have different desires, you know, that are different than yours, you know what I mean? Or different than several people in your congregation yet, like is not just being part of the body of Christ, the best thing for humanity, because I think that's the hope of the world that Jesus is building his church and he's calling people into community all around worshiping and growing in him. Um, but like, what did that look like for you? Did you, did you become a part of a small group with people who were kind of all in this, uh, kind of walking through the same challenge or the same reality? Or did you find yourself like right into community and just being a part of, um, the local congregation and just, just serving anywhere and everywhere. Like, what did that all look like for you? Yeah. Well, so specifically for me, um, my sister had, and my mom had recently been attending a new church, um, near where we were living. And, um, yeah, I felt the Lord say to me, like, go serve at the youth group in that church. And I was like, okay, well, what can I, what can I do there? And so I went and I, so like, I feel like the Lord's told me to serve here. Do you need help with anything? And it was like, mm-hmm. oh, run PowerPoint for worship. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's what it, that's kind of what it looked like for me. But in regards to like a specialized group, there wasn't, no one else was opening up about this. Right. So there was nobody else around that I knew who was going through this. And so it wasn't possible for me to like have that like group of, um, of like fellow Christians who were going through the same thing. It just wasn't there. And so all I had were the people that the Lord had put around me. Mm-hmm. I started to rub shoulders with people in that church as I served. And as I got to know them, we started to become friends and, started to share life and and do things. And I can say this, like it took, it took like the Lord spent a long time, like a lot of my twenties, um, teaching me many things and like doing many things within me, teaching me to have healthy relationships, teaching me how to set up healthy boundaries, Mm. um, both physical boundaries, but also emotional boundaries. Uh, it, It took a long time for him to do all that. Um, but I think one key thing that the Lord taught me was that um, the the 
the guys in my life who ministered to me the most did not had no idea did not struggle with this themselves did not have same sex attractions themselves and didn't understand what i was going through wow but the lord used them uh to minister in really deep and profound ways uh and one thing i learned as well is that i have way more in common uh with these guys than than i ever imagined i thought we were like so different and i was so like on like on the opposite side of the spectrum but as i share with them and really become vulnerable and open up and then they do the same for me and like open up and share and become vulnerable with me we connect on so many points yeah we can understand one another because like suffering is suffering pain is pain yeah we all go through pain and maybe for different reasons but we can come alongside one another and understand each other um when it comes to uh, the the experience and the feelings that we go through absolutely absolutely because i think the pressure in our cultural moment right now is to make everything like the most important part of who you are is your sexuality and your, and your sexual experience. And so that, that shapes your identity, that shapes your, your values, your everything. Right. And I go, actually, I think this is why the gospel is actually such good news is because, um, it's, it, it says that that's actually only one part of who you are. And, and it's not the most important part of who you are. The most important part of who you are is who you are in Christ and your identity that he's purchased for you. Um, and I, th- I think you're absolutely right that there's, we do such a, a damage to the work of the gospel and who we're supposed to be as, as the church when we play the same game that the world is. It says, well, hey, this is the most important part of who you are. And so if you say that you're struggling in this area or you have a temptation in this area, then that's your defining, your desires are your your definition right and that, that's the temptation of our culture these days and it's so easy for us the church to fall into that mm-hmm. like because identity is a big it is a big question with this struggle and that's something i've really struggled with as well but as i've continued to grow one of the things i felt the lord has taught me as well has been my identity is in being an adopted child of god Amen. Yeah. That's who I am. And then and then from there, all other identities that I have, whether it be like, oh, I'm Canadian or I'm I have same sex attraction or I'm male or I'm like like a, a tech nerd, like wh- whatever identity like I have underneath uh, is underneath that. Right. She's subservient to that. Yeah. So like it's all those other identities submit to that main one, because that main one is an eternal one. Yes. All the other ones are not necessarily eternal. Mm-hmm. They're like, they're going to pass away. They're, they're only here for like, for the, for my time here on earth. Yeah. When it comes to eternity. Like I'm always going to be an adopted child of God. Mm-hmm. I'm not always going to be same sex attracted. Like when eternity comes, there's not going to be marriage. There's not mm-hmm. going to be this like relationship because we're going to be together married to Jesus, the bride, of, the bride of Christ. Yeah. And even, and even, and even that is a, is a non-sexual identity too. Right. Because it's like, that's, that's a weird doctrinal road to go down to think that marriage to Jesus is somehow sexualized. It's, it's about covenant relationship, you know? It's so good. Even, even on that point, maybe just one of, one of the last questions here. Um, what would you say to someone who truly does want to follow Jesus yet, yet this is part of their struggle and they know that a biblical sexual ethic is not congruent with what they might be experiencing in their desires. What would you, what would you say to that person? How would you encourage that person? I would, I think I would, say to them um the the longing of your heart there is a longing deep within inside that is like god has placed there Mm -hmm. the lord says that if we take delight in him he will give us the desires of our heart and that 
when we come to Jesus, and this is what I would encourage them to do, is come to him relationally. Uh, come to him and tell him everything that you feel. Tell him uh, like how angry you are. Tell him how frustrated you are. Tell him how unfair unfair it is. Tell him like how afraid you feel. Tell, like tell him it all. And just like pour out your heart to him and open yourself up to, for him to pour out his heart to you. Mm-hmm. And like do that daily, do that, like be in that place daily with him. Yeah. Because that's like the, that is the, like how we, and this is not just for those in my situation. No. This is each one of us. This Absolutely. is how we face every suffering. This is how we face every challenge, every trial is like relationally coming to Jesus and asking him to lead us through like a good shepherd would lead his people through and um, he'll do it. He'll do it. He'll do it. He's going to do it one step at a time. It's, it's a long journey. Like the, the, the road that Jesus is going to lead us on into the kingdom uh, is a lifelong journey. And, but there's like, Jesus did promise life and life to the fullest. Yeah. Yeah. So like one of the things that really helps me is to like go after him for like, Jesus, what is life to the fullest that you have for me? Mm -hmm. And what is the, there's a, there's a scripture that I really have really appreciated. It's one of the promises Jesus gave. He said, uh, if anybody gives up land or brother or mother or father or, or, or right. wife or children will receive a hundred times more in this life, persecution right. and eternal life. And for me in this journey, I'm like, Oh Lord, I really feel like I've given up a wife and kids, um, to follow you because of this. So you promised a hundred times more than mm. that right now. So what does that look like? Yeah. Kind of like holding on to him for his word, holding on to his promises. And because the Lord likes it when we do that. Totally. We come to him and say like, Hey, you said this. So what, what did you mean? Yeah. (laughs) Can I, can I, can I ask you for what you promised? Yeah. He's like, yes, a hundred percent. Because that's, that's faith expressing itself. Yeah, absolutely. That's beautiful, man. And I, I guess lastly, just to encourage parents and, and leaders of young people who are walking uh, someone through same-sex attraction or just somebody who's in their immediate circle, someone they love and they care for, how can they serve this person best? Um, and, and just what would you say to parents and leaders who are maybe feeling overwhelmed and feeling discouraged and, and brokenhearted because of this? Yeah, um, I would... I would encourage them to, like, one of the things that we do need is we need one another. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that was really painful is when, that I experienced is when um, I would, I would open up and become vulnerable with somebody um, who I was in close relationship with and they, they didn't want to journey with me. They mm-hmm. had like me opening up and becoming vulnerable kind of interrupted um, their plans for their life or kind of like got in the way of, of um, yeah, because we have to be willing to journey each other. And so I would, I would encourage them to like find, um, sorry, can we pause for a sec? Yeah. I'm just knocking on my door. Yeah, for sure. Again. Yeah, you bet.
So lastly here, like how would you encourage parents of, and leaders of young people who are walking through same-sex attraction or, you know, how would you encourage the parent who their, their child or somebody who's just maybe in their, their world has, has opened up about this area of their life? How would you encourage them? Um, how would you give hope to maybe some leaders and parents who are feeling pretty brokenhearted right now and just feeling at a loss? Um, for how to, how to walk through this. Yeah, I would, I would encourage them with just the heart of like, one of the things that I experienced when going through this was, um, just those who I was close with when I became vulnerable with them, when I opened up with them, there were some who it was an interruption to their life and the way they wanted to go. And, um, they didn't want to journey with me. Mm-hmm. And it is so important. Um, we need one another. And that's why, like, that's why Jesus has called us together is because we, we can't do this alone. We can't, we can't do this journey with Jesus just by ourselves. Right. We need the community. So I, I would encourage anybody who is walking with someone that they love, who's going through this, and feeling overwhelmed, feeling burdened, is to ask the Lord like to draw into their life a trusted people who uh, who really love, like Jesus loves, who are willing to journey alongside them and with them uh, to seek the Lord together, and um, because He'll do it. The Word says that a good friend is a gift from the Lord, mm-hmm. so. And we, we need it. And like, there were so many moments where, um, I could have used the people, uh, who I was walking, who had walked with before, who no longer were walking with me. I missed yeah. it. Yeah. Missed and, um, yeah. So the, yeah, that support is just so invaluable. So right. I encourage them to ask the Lord to draw them and open up yourself to like, who Lord, who are you bringing into my life? can walk with me yeah it's so good man thank you so much for this conversation today thank you for your vulnerability and and honesty and just honestly like i i just value your dedication to honor the lord above all things and just really really glorify jesus man this has meant so much so oh thank you yeah i'm so grateful for um his grace to be able to do so and yeah. willingness to do it yeah Thanks, Brian. It's been yeah. chatting with you today. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd love for people to have an opportunity to partner with your documentary project. So how can people um, support that? Yeah. Um, so there, um, there's a website that I'm connected with, the, uh, an organization called Equip Canada. Uh, Equip Canada is actually based on Vancouver Island, and uh, they're a missionary organization that supports missionaries as they... Um, yeah, do the work of sharing the gospel in the context the Lord has given them. So, uh, I believe it's, um, equipcanada.ca. Uh, I'm on one of their, I'm one of the missionaries. So you can find me on the missionary list and, uh, explains all of what I'm doing and has the first episode to the documentary there. If you'd like to see it. Love it. We will, we will make sure it's all in the show notes for everyone. And, and, uh, yeah, we just appreciate what you're doing and, honestly just making a big deal about jesus in this area and so again thank you so much for making time here man i appreciate you a lot thanks so much thanks for listening to the union podcast if you have any questions or comments we'd love to hear from you please email us at podcast at the for more information please visit our website theunionmovement.com or find us on facebook and instagram at the union movement 